My name's Joanne Averson, and you are so welcome to Series 3 of my podcast. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast. And I am so, so thrilled and excited because I've got Justin Robertshaw with me. And those of you who don't know, many years ago, I had a two-year yoga teacher training program that went on to RYT. No, yes, RYT 500. Is that called? Yeah. Yoga yeah. teacher training, whatever. And Justin was one of many star students, but very, very special guy, Justin it is a joy to see you after all this time. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely to be here, Joe. Thanks so much. And uh, lovely to see you. And uh, yeah, thank you. Well, those of you that are listening, this will become a, uh, a YouTube um, video. But for now, we're on audio. And what I wanted to say was I've been following you. or as Well, you know, I've been following you. And you're now in Indonesia. Yeah. Up to your ears in permaculture, which is absolutely fascinating. And I know we share so many ideas and thoughts. And I've just watched you just blossom and grow. And oh my God, it's just been amazing. And and you quoted something to me earlier that I'm going to call this podcast. Will you tell the story of what the guy <laughs> said to you? Yeah, the 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 guy this morning, and um, I'd love to give him some more credit, but I can't, I don't know his name actually. Um, I said, uh, I, I see him a, a fair amount normally in the morning. And I said, oh, hey, how are you this morning? And he went, all good. I don't have space for bad. And, uh, you know, like, like we were saying just before we started recording this, it was just like, that's that's one I'm going to remember that one. It's uh, it's beautiful. And he, he didn't say it in a way that was like anything other than than just very natural. It's because it's his ethos, right? It sounds like a blessing. It's like a prayer. Mm. Yeah. So, and I was like, God, I've got to remember that. That's so good. I've got to, I've got to put that in in the box somewhere and pull that out as much as I can. Well, I'm going to put it next to your name, and we'll credit the man with love and blessings in his direction. Let's put him in the light. Yeah. And you light radiant justin tell me what you're doing what is permaculture let's start there so for me one of the simplest ways to describe permaculture it means permanent agriculture but effectively in layman's terms it means how we flow with nature rather than against it huh. so it's surrounded it's made up of three ethics which is take care of the people, take care of the environment, and return of surplus. And it doesn't necessarily mean return of an excess amount of vegetables you've grown, which is interesting because these ethics are a little bit deeper seated than that. And then it's surrounded by 10 or sometimes people use 12 um, principles. And I'm not going to recite all of those, but what's quite beautiful about them is that they all provide a framework um, for us to apply um, sustainable living in socially and environmentally, um, in any situation in any part of the world, so yeah. you can apply these 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 ethics and these principles, um, and it's about understanding nature to know how to harness it, to slow it down, and to speed it up. You get to oh my god now hang on a minute you've just blown my mind so so what we're talking about is how we work with time this is so fascinating 
Fascia is the tissue of temporality. It's how time is incorporated. Mm. Magical. That's a whole podcast in itself. But what you've and it's all about nature and understanding and harnessing how nature progresses so we can flow with it, not to manipulate it, but to optimize our opportunities. So what you're saying to me, I think, is something like that, but incorporating nourishment via Mother Earth. Would that be? Yes. And and of course, nature is irrefutable. So the first principle of permaculture is observe before you interact. So in other words... It's a prayer book that we can all just follow. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is about these permaculture principles and ethics is that you can apply them to a, a company. You can apply them to social living. You can apply them to uh, how we are with, with the environment. Because observe and interact, of course, is exactly what we do if we're dealing with something like Ayurveda. Before yep. you introduce any change, you need to understand the characteristics of what you're dealing with. Otherwise, it doesn't lend itself to sustainability. It lend, lends itself to chance. Um, so, I love this because that's one of the principles. I remember we discussed you know, with Alex all the time in the class. Any observations? Can't you hear him saying it? Any yeah, I can, actually. Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We love you, Alex. Um, yeah. So what? Oh, my God, you blow me away. So so tell me, I don't want to sidetrack you because I know you were going down that route. But so the 12 principles are 12 being the archetypal number of completion. Just mm. throw that in. Mm. I love that there's 12. And would you say they remind you of yoga principles? Is there a is there a correlate in most of them with with the yoga that that we do and you know that we still study in our own ways? Because I know it's evolved for both of us. But what um, the yamas or something? Yeah, it's a bit like the yamas and nayamas. Yeah. When you look at the the ethics of the permaculture, um, then effectively, what are we doing and why? And it lends itself to we take care of ourselves, we take care of other people, and we take care of the planet. So things are coming through us, not for us, I guess, in some way, which for me is a little bit, for me, what the yoga becomes when it's applied. Uh, it, it becomes about sharing what we love for the benefit of others. So I, I think there's there's a lot of similarity there between these ethics in permaculture and, um, and, and things like yamas and nayamas in, in yoga. Well, it's it's beautiful you say that. I mean, I you know I study now the last last eight years. I've been studying very intensely Surat Shabda Yoga, which is Yoga of the Sound Current, mm. and it's a very subtle um, devotion. And the three principles we talk about to simplify down, you know, this is a simplification of a simplification. Take care of yourself first, so that others don't have to, and you are fit to take care of others. Don't harm yourself. Don't harm others. And transform everything that happens to you into a source of upliftment, regardless of race, creed, color, religion, circumstance, situation or environment or conditions or environment, I think. So it's like for everybody. So it's like it's like a sister set of principles to what you've just described and of course, I just I'm just sitting here loving it, and 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 it it feels like you've. I'm going to ask you about the practical application in a minute, but it just feels like you've dropped into something that's got your name all over it, and I and I feel you've carved a little bit of it for yourself as well. The way you're 
expressing it is just so clear. It's just beautiful. Oh, thank you. I, I, I have a deep fascination with the why in my life right now. And I use the frameworks of how I live to bring, shine light on one thing using the other. So in other words, if someone understands permaculture, but they don't understand Ayurveda so much, where Ayurveda is effectively understanding your nature inside, let's say, mm. your, 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 your body, mind, uh, biological constitution, which is your truth, true nature. But the beautiful thing and, 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 and my why with these is um, so people understand their why, understand themselves so they can live in, 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 in a way that has more truth in relation to who they are and how they are. And the reason that I'm so fascinated with Ayurveda and permaculture is because they're both pointing to the same thing, but they're using different frameworks of knowledge effectively. Mm. So it's like, for me, it's what's really interesting is how can this knowledge become alive in someone else's life? Yeah. Simply, realistically, and practically without them. So how can they find themselves within the framework of these vast knowledges, let's say, um, and how they can actually apply it? So how it can come into someone's life so they can feel and gain the benefits from them um, but for, for me that the, the real juice of that is that when people understand why the hook is in and then when they practically start to do a few things simply and they see the benefits then they go what's next so it lends itself to people becoming more empowered and yeah. naturally over a period of time having more meaning and purpose as well and I love that psychological aspect that comes from the practical and then the practical supports the, the psychological as well. So you've got your beautiful Mobius, like we do the Mobius of the breath, which we were talking about at the beginning, that breath, when breath becomes air, this book that you've just been talking about. I, oh, before we go off at that tangent, let me ask you a practical question, because I I've heard people say things like, oh, but isn't permaculture where you grow your own food? <laughs> and I think... That's a very fast kind of, oh, that's what it means. And I haven't got time. I've only got a balcony or my garden doesn't lend itself. And it's almost like that's that becomes a stopping block. Yeah. Before anyone starts. Can you can you reorganize that statement into something more grabbable? I mean, like, where would I start? What would how do, how does it mean growing my own food? Is that even in the story? Well, it is, but permaculture is also, a, a, first and foremost, it's a design. So um, what you do is you have different systems that flow with different systems. So in permaculture design, um, gardening, yes, and, and growing own food, yeah, for sure it's there. Um, but maybe it's about 20% of what permaculture is. Okay. Um, we, we start with um, our uniqueness within that because every piece of land every environment, and us as individuals has a unique relativity. And therefore, um, with permaculture, you're designing in stages. So you understand the big picture of what, what would you love could be a starting point. You know, what would someone love from sustainability? What, what does that word mean for them? Um, and if it means more associated with gardening, then great, you start there. But you design things in such a way that they flow naturally. So nature does the work and we do less, mm. uh, but we 
understand it enough that we can design it and step away more and let it do its thing. So the number one starting point for a lot of people is um, what's what's the commonality that most people have in terms of something sustainable and it's food into soil. Um, you know, so that that can lend itself to food scraps. Effectively, you can make soil in 30 days with certain techniques. And then someone will go, well, I don't have a garden. I only have a windowsill. And then how can I make soil from, you know, and then you can go into the detail. So it, it's really a starting point of what would someone love um, and then how you design that so it flows in, in the most fluid way for mm. them. So uh, as a classic example of permaculture, you know, we can start with um, uh, an environment where someone wants to build a home. And you and okay, so the starting point with that be what is the topography of the land? What is the climate? Which way is the wind coming? What's the soil like? What are the key lines where the, the most natural flow of water comes down on the land? Um, how much time do they have and want to put into a project? How um, who do they want to involve and how sustainable do they want to be? Because if they're 100 percent sustainable, it doesn't lend itself to necessarily community so much. So there's different aspects. So it's really about understanding and sitting down with someone or an organization and going what does sustainability mean for you what would you love from it and then you start to design it socially and environmentally from that place so that all these systems flow within each other in a very fluid way um Sounds so like it's in a body it's almost like an embodiment of the same ecology replicated for you with a bit of wisdom and structure into an, an external expression, right? Yes, it, it is. And it is it is a lot of design. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually, because Ayurveda, applied Ayurveda is exactly the same in some ways yeah. uh, because you need to structure things in in a certain way. And then how does that come into someone's life? What are the support mechanisms that allow what you intellectually want to take through an experience into true knowledge for that person? Um, so. The permaculture is the same. It's a design and it's a framework. So you structure and you understand the big picture, but then you start simply, but you understand where that little simple small part fits within the overall jigsaw. Brilliantly said. Um, you just made me think about, you know, I my my manual practice is structural integration. So somebody comes to me and they're not, I notice straight away what's the foundation? Breath. What's the first thing? Breath. And and kind of what comes straight after breath? Well, if they feel grounded and able to stand and walk and move with ease, they'll breathe better. Or if they breathe better, will it assist them in standing well and being able to walk and breathe with ease? And you're in that cycle that you're talking about. And structurally, we start really simple. Breathe in and breathe out a tiny bit longer. Do nothing more complex than that just for a little bit. And we might do some very subtle work to manage the actual rib basket and how it's gliding. And then that forms a self-perpetuating cycle. And those, I could name 30 very, very simple things that all make a little difference. And then they accumulate and the emergent property is a higher sense of well-being, a raised sense of self-regulation and, and, and. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a very parallel I mean, it would have to be parallel, wouldn't it, for permaculture to be what it is? Yeah, and it's like it's it's such a beautiful journey because a lot of people start with, oh, permaculture, can you design my garden? Because that's that's where they are most associated with what that word means 
or mm. what sustainable means and and that's great that's their starting point and that's that's very real for them um so there's no there's no um judgment towards that at all but once we start the process and they go oh so actually i could do this and if i put the compost thing here that isn't too far from the house and it won't smell because i'll do it in this way and then i've got chickens because i wanted chickens here and then they've got a natural source of food because it's from food scraps then they start to understand how you can structure things in to make the the process flow so they don't need to be as involved as much and then other things start to open up i I always remember when i did the training with with you and alex there was always like we can't tell you the aha you have to find that out and we're not going to even mention the aha because it naturally comes out later down the line Mm. And this 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 design with permaculture can be very much the same. You don't want to take the day. No, it's like, you know, I don't know if you ever watch the interviews with the stars after they've done a film or something, you know, and they're not allowed to do that. Tell anyone what the denouement is. And you get these posts about spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So you don't read them so that you don't find out the punchline or the key of the story because you literally spoil it. And I, I think that is so valuable because when somebody gets it for themselves, that light bulb will never go out on them. It just won't. Yeah, there's, there's a beautiful thing with permaculture as well. I, I um, Permaculture socially to help disadvantaged people because people naturally, like this, you know, are saying they, they think permaculture, permanent agriculture, it's farming, it's growing your food, and, and that's kind of where it's weighted more towards. But when you look at some of the principles and, and obviously those three ethics, um, You can have um, a community garden in a big city where you can allow homeless people to learn a new skill um, and they can grow their own food and there could be some kind of shelter. But the underlying thing there is that it could give them meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. So can permaculture bring in meaning and purpose in someone's life? That's a big thing to say, but yes, it can. And that's the social implication of using the 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 gross kind of the bigger picture and going well how can we value take care of the people within taking care of the environment and and i love that aspect because when when it starts to become something where you can give people meaning and purpose i think that's a really really deep thing and um and learn new skills find new community make new friends, have a reason to be alive. You know, it's like, wow. Um, and um, the, so there's that aspect of permaculture from a social basis as well, because it is about community. I, I found in a lot of things that I've done in my life, it's like someone says, what, what is the quintessential thing that is more important? I say people. Because... Um, the the psychological aspect of having the, the like-minded people together flowing in the right direction it's a bit like if i'd never sat in meditation before and i just tried to do it by myself that's that's great and you know it could have beautiful um benefits and implications but if i'm doing that in a room of other people with a energy that's going in that direction it lends itself to a stronger possibility of that being a much deeper experience and of me wanting to do it again because I saw the process through rather than that very easy just got up and didn't do it because it wasn't working it as I perceived it should or would. Um, so you can't argue with yourself when you're in a group, can you? You just sort of enter the flow that's already flowing. Yeah, so it's a support mechanism 
that yeah. allows something to to go through to its finality in some way and root which is beautiful so things about rooting mm. rather than just staying on the surface and just changing and not really having the time the space and the support to actually become rooted or sustainable and and i think that's you know socially that the permaculture can be used in this way as well as environmentally uh it's a beautiful crossover actually when you look at something like ayurveda where people go well it's lifestyle and diet most people will associate Ayurveda more if they understood what that word meant in the first place with diet. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just where people start more. But actually, the white elephant in the room is lifestyle. And it's not what, but it's how. And mm -hmm. this these correlate back to permaculture as well, because it's not what you do. It's how you design it and over what time frame and, and with what people. And, and you, so it's how you implement this stuff as well. So, so for me, even if the community is your family, I say even if, if the community is your family of four, that's your community. You don't have to join a whole movement, do you? No. And I think this is the thing. There's a lot of permaculture communities, nothing against those. I've lived in a couple. Um, but I think for most people, they're probably never going to be living in that kind of environment. So how can permaculture come into their life? And actually, permaculture is just a framework of knowledge. A lot of what's contained within it is not new. It's just been formatted in such a way that it's easy to follow and therefore more easy to implement in, in one's life. Uh, and I think that's quite important. You know, it's nothing new. It's not like we reinvented something with permaculture. It's, it's just literally been put into a framework that is easily followed um, and then goes deeper over time. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a really nice thing. It's like you don't have to live in community. You don't have to live in big, big groups of people. Um, there is a, a benefit of that being in group energy to help a process through, but you don't have to. You can start with that. I mean, a lot of people start with a permaculture design course. It's 72 hours. It's a bit like doing the Vipassana, but in permaculture, it's a set thing. And um and after 72 hours, you know, you, you've acquired a certain amount of knowledge and, and you go through that with a group like a yoga teacher training. And there's a community that's formed with that, which is really beautiful. But you don't need to be part of that community to get the benefits, but you can tap into it as a resource. So it, the permaculture is exactly the same for me. And uh, I'm more interested in how can it come into someone's life that lives in a flat in London, just as much as I am that someone's got an acre of land that wants lots of chickens and, and cows and stuff like that. So tell me a little bit about you and Indonesia. What brought you to Indonesia? And what, yoga. why are you there? Uh, yoga. I came on my 40th birthday um, because I wanted to study with one of the longest or, or someone that was Western that had been studying this particular yoga that I was following at the time for the longest period of time that was offering it on a daily basis. Mm. And and in in, a, in the most exotic place. I wanted, I wanted a little <laughs> bit of, uh, I wanted hundreds and thousands on the top of it, you know. Yeah. Um and and so a secret I, I, luxury streak, you know, for all that grounded stuff. There's a <laughs> there's a sprinkling of hedonism on the top, isn't there? It's absolutely it was yeah. it was uh, there was uh, I was loving my ego and, and it was great and let's use it, you know. It's like uh so so I, I went to Bali for that reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to Bali for that reason. And this teacher, I didn't know at the time, but he was also an Ayurvedic doctor who spent five years with Bassett Lad in Mexico in the early 80s. And uh, I was practicing one day. He said, you're not very grounded. What are you eating? 
And I was like, whoa, that's kind of, that hasn't happened in a yoga shala very often. (laughs) And I found out he was doing Ayurveda and I became interested in Ayurveda and, um, uh, and effectively, you know, I understood what my constitution was and then I decided to train in it. And then I spent two or three years with some Ayurvedic doctors in the Panchakarma center. Funnily enough, to this day, I still think within a Panchakarma center, Panchakarma, for people that don't know, is where, basically where you drain everything out and put in the right fuel for you in terms of diet and lifestyle based on your individual constitution. Um, but in a Panchakarma center, I said, most people that go there have got so much energy, too much vata, too much pitta, because the fast pace of life and all these kinds of things. So they will need more grounding. So why not apply gardening and then Panchakarma center, right? Like gardening, because you're working with the earth. How can that be any more grounded? So that my, my inquiry after the Ayurveda was to basically not just have it as an intellectual thing, but put it through a practical process. So I really understood it. So I learned pulse from the doctors. I sat in with them on consultations. And then for me, this is where my why started to sprout, my seed of why. What I was beginning to see that a lot of information that's given to people Ayurvedically is, is brilliant. It's the correct knowledge and it's it's right, go away and you do this. But there wasn't a why there. It's like you're this constitution and this is why you are. Can you identify, can you resonate with this this mental characteristic that you generally will show more of and this physical characteristic. Can you can you identify? Does that feel real for you? Do you does it feel alive in you? Um, because if it doesn't, you have to keep going back because no one explained why. It's a bit like if you know how to change the oil on your car, you don't have to take it to the garage as often yeah. because you can start to understand that what it needs and therefore you can provide that. So for me, Ayurveda was the same. And I, I was like, why aren't people talking about and this lends itself to sustainability further down the line. Why aren't people not explaining the why to these people so they don't need to come back as often? Yeah. And that for me was something. I was just like, wow, I, I just feel because of my yoga, um, the way I was flowing with yoga, I was always inquisitive as to, okay, this posture is good for me. What's it doing? Mm-hmm. And further down the line, when I applied Ayurveda to the, to the, to the yoga postures, it would be which postures do I favor versus the ones I need? based on what's currently happening for me. So this 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 inquiry as to why started in Bali with, with the yoga and then the Ayurveda. And then a friend of mine told me about permaculture. And as I did the course in, in Thailand, the permaculture designers course. And then I ended up in India talking, giving free talks about understanding Ayurveda. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, it isn't, isn't, this, isn't this interesting though? It's like, who are the people that are most interested in yoga? Because um, it's not necessarily where yoga came from. No, absolutely. And so, again, that was lending itself to me about taking what I've learned and bringing it back to people that aren't even asking about it. So how does this knowledge go into layman's terms that my mom or my friend I've known for 30 years that doesn't know anything about yoga or permaculture, how could how could they go, that's interesting, tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, because so, you don't have to be a yoga, sorry, you don't have to be a yogi, whatever that means to you, and we could talk about that for another hour, yeah. to do permaculture. And, you know, yoga in the West has become an awful lot about which style of exercises that you do. And as we know, that, that if you think of 
Ayurveda as let's say 40 boxes or 40, 40 um divisions in in a wheel, if you think of it as a mandala, mm. yoga is one of them. And the Ayurvedic setting is all of that, including yoga. So the yamas and the niyamas are inside that yoga bit. So it's like one eighth of one fortieth of this huge thing. And yeah. you're kind of weaving your way around this entire mandala. Like, you know how you weave the bottom of a mat, you weave the bottom of a basket. And it's almost like to start with, you make the base of the basket and you weave the mandala, which sounds like what you've been mm. doing. And then you start making the spokes going in the in the other direction to make the actual basket so it can contain something. And yeah. it, it sounds like that's what you've been doing. But you, you people have to have the the mat that's going to form the bottom of the basket in order to know the structure where they need to place and what kind of basket they're going to weave. Is that a Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, and, and a lot of this for me was coming back to people having to understand their uniqueness within the framework Yes, because it, it actually fell down for me quite a lot. I, I went through this phase where I used to describe it as discover, understand it, and then apply it. And what I realized through working with, people and the feedback and just general my inquiry was where things tend to fall down more mm. is between the understanding and the application yes and I'm like why is that uh and quite often it was people were going well Ayurveda seemed to be presented to them in too much of a generic format it's like you wake up in the morning you scrape your tongue and you have hot ginger lemon I'm like why do you need to scrape your tongue if you get your diet and your lifestyle right because you might need to do it now and again, but you shouldn't have to do it every day because it's telling you something that's deeper. Why not deal with the deeper thing? So it's understanding mm. not just what someone's, say, constitution is, and it's not even understanding what their current situation is, that they're, that they're vikriti, what which dosha they're working more with, let's say. Yes. It's understanding how they're living their life right now as how they can apply five things in one month that are going to have the biggest impact for them. Brilliant, yeah. So it, that makes it really simple. And then you put it into a structure they can follow. And for me, it was this accessibility to the knowledge. Oh. So people can go yeah. on a journey. Yes. Their journey. Their unique yeah. journey. Yes. Yeah. Not someone else's. This is generically what you do if you're Pitta, or this is where you do if you're generically Kapha or Vata. That, that's too generic. It's like, where are they within that? So finding their uniqueness. It's like a Russian doll, isn't it? You know, you kind of go... So that that was my inquiry. And I was like, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to explain that to people that they could go, oh, I tried that. And I, actually, yeah, I, I got some benefit from that. What's next? Because that it's that what's next that I'm really interested in. Because if I think of this with a sustainability hat on, I would love that they need me less. So if I can get them hooked in such a way that they're getting a benefit, they will naturally quite often feel more empowered to go on their journey with this, but with the right knowledge, because they're coming from the right foundation of understanding who they are, understanding how to recognize what's going on, and understanding what the opposite characteristic of that from a psychological or physical perspective might be. And then they go on this, their own, because Ayurveda is self-knowledge for self-healing. So I, I always love that. It's experiential. It's not an intellectual. And I've done this so often in my life. I've, I've read something, I've understood it. And then I'm like, I don't really feel very authentic with that because what's my own experience of taking that through a process? 
Exactly. Otherwise, it's just information. It's actually not knowledge, is it? I think it becomes knowledge when it's incorporated and it's expressed. I mean, how many times do you remember one of the mantras in the teacher training was do not teach one posture that you haven't practiced? Yes. If you haven't practiced, don't you dare try and teach. I mean, we didn't go around pointing fingers and telling you don't you dare, but actually we kind of did. Don't even think about teaching something that hasn't come from your practice, because otherwise you you need to practice it. You need to share it in the group. You need to be at this stage, you know, when we're all learning, we want a bit of supervise, we want a bit of feedback. But what that does is it takes us through our own aha moment, even if it's a posture or a daily practice, go through our own aha moment, check it out, check it out. Surat Shabda Yoga, all we're told, check it out. Try it, check it out. Try it, check it out. No, don't ask me. I can't say I'm not living your life. You are. You're in your body. Check it out. And then we're guided through studying spiritual science, believe it or not, exactly what you're just saying. What you're talking is, to me, spiritual science, where you, you, you try it, you check it out, you annotate what you checked out so that you've got your own feedback. You self organize that, which, let's face it, is what we did as embryos. We self organized our entire structure. Just saying. And then and then you come and you 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 try it out. Try it yeah. out, get the feedback, check it out. Ask yeah. for some help. Difficult part. Really difficult. Mm. When I wanted mm. to ask you about that. Mm. I know there's going to be details around this podcast and the newsletter that goes out with it about how to get in touch with you. How would somebody start this journey? Because it's absolutely intriguing. I've been to Ayurvedic doctors who've basically said, Oh, you're this and this, and that you're going to tell me which type I am immediately you've known me forever and and they've looked at me and basically I remember one guy I went to was lovely and I only went once but basically told me to eat oranges and drink lots of coffee and, <laughs> and that could have been the right information right but, <laughs> at but the it time been. yeah, yeah. And, and I was thrilled because you know I was always the yoga teacher that came in not with a herbal tea you know what I think about <laughs> I'm really sorry admitting this but someone had given me green tea and it just smelt like the bottom of a hamster cage to me I'm really sorry I know green tea is delicious and I've had green tea lattes that I love since but at the time it was all done that you you, if you were at the front of a yoga class and you were walking around the room and you were sipping because you were talking for however long nidra or whatever you needed something to drink you'd be sipping herb tea everybody would assume not me black coffee and so I was absolutely delighted I was very disapproved of in my early yoga days back in the early 90s when I was drinking black coffee in the classroom. It was like, sorry, that's not yogic. Right. Anyway, so when they gave me a license to drink coffee, I was thrilled to pieces and I I just got worse. I, I became a complete coffee addict and I don't like oranges. So I dropped the oranges, gave myself license to drink too much coffee and had nowhere to ground this knowledge and no net to manage it. So if I was to phone you, what would I do? Would I phone you? Would I have a one to one? And would you guide me to what, what would happen if I just got really excited about this, which I am? The, the way I work, and I've just kind of opened this up a little bit more because I want to go on a journey with someone. I don't want to just do one thing and then go, good luck. I kind of feel that it's beautiful to go on a journey because it's supportive. And quite often I've realized through my own process that the application doesn't happen straight away. Yeah. Um, and it needs people. Uh, and there's some beautiful ways that you can do that with Ayurveda. But for me, it starts with um, someone understanding their constitution, their mental and physical constitution, their prakriti. Um, which is it's their biological constitution, but not just me telling them 
what I actually do is I go through a process with people and I meet them where they're at. You know, what, what would they love to get from Ayurveda? And then that can start in many different ways, but it actually changes by the end quite often. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, it's allowing me, because people go, how do you define someone's constitution? I go, well, no one thing is definitive, but lots of clues give a clear picture. So through the process of asking certain questions, and sometimes you don't have to ask much, people just talk, but that gives you so much information without any judgment predefined before the conversation starts. Um, you go through basically illnesses people have had. You go through how they love to spend their time. You go through what kind of hobbies they have. And, and all of these things give indications towards more of a vata, a pitta, or, or a, a kapha energy, a dosha. And then at the end, you've got a cluster of all this information, and you go, it's weighted more towards this. But I relay why back to them because it's the why. And then I was like, can you can you see this in this? You know, it's like, and then which one comes first? How mm. often and why? And so it's about relaying that why back to them. And they go, yeah, that kind of, I, I feel that's me actually. And that, without trying to weight it and push that on them. Um, and then going, brilliant. So we now know this. What's the current situation? Because we use the current, we deal with the current situation, but based with the knowledge of who we are, because quite often the, the dosha, the energy we have more of naturally will naturally or, or quite often be the one that goes out of balance first for the obvious reason that we gravitate towards who we are. So if I'm pitter, yeah. I'm going to gravitate towards hot, spicy food. And But it, over a period of time, maybe I've learned that, that doesn't work for me. So there's an educational pit. This is where you have to meet someone where they're at. Uh, and then you go, okay, this is the lifestyle and the diet. Here are five things that we both agree on that are realistic and practical based on how you're living your life right now, based on family circumstance, job, how much time they have, and what they like doing. Because I would never force yoga onto someone. And quite often people come to me, and they don't do yoga. So I'd never go, right, you need to do yoga asana. I, I, I could say to someone that I wanted to have more grounded energy in their life, more meditation. I'd go, why don't you try walking in nature with some friends once a week for an hour? You know, and, and bring it in, or why don't you try art? Or because they might like art, right? And yeah. they go, how can art come into their life? But it could be a grounding quality. Yeah. Uh, how could you do it in a group? Like we could, you talked about mandala, you know, how can do a, a mandala class or a workshop? Um, so then I try and bring it in in those ways and I meet them with where they're at because then they're more likely to do those things. Um, so I make it simple, practical, and accessible, but I, allow them the foundation to know that they're building their house on this on this known kind of uh framework of who they are this That's bedrock of point. earth isn't it it really is a bedrock yeah, yeah. and it, it's like i always i use this analogy quite a lot it just seems to make sense to me is that you know um if you don't know who you are you can try introducing many things in your life and some of them will work and, and then they won't or they'll never work but you'll never understand why so isn't it better just to start with let's get the fr let's get the foundation right, mm. uh, and then over time you can go more detail. You can make the house more more splendid and put the the kind of right things in it for you or whatever it format it takes. But that's the starting point, and then a follow up call, which is included. I, I love to do this because I, I just love going on that journey with people. I get excited <laughs> to see them get benefit. Yeah, cool. um, and and that's my why. It's like yeah. I I'm like oh wow, how can this come into someone's life? there's actually a benefit and um it's an interesting thing because I've, I've started to learn from a yogic perspective that how i do this 
is allowing me to understand myself better as well. But I think that maybe that's part of a teaching, a sharing of knowledge thing. I don't know. Um, so then, yeah, so then there's a follow-up because I want to know what isn't working so we can tinker with it. So mm. then they can move forwards. And it's like it's a, it's a much more supportive way, I feel, uh, to allow people an insight as to why. Why am I this constitution? How does, this, how does it mentally show itself in me? Uh, or psych yeah. psychologically yeah it's like what yeah. is, what is i mean a good example would be you know how does pitta which is fire uh, it's, it's fire and water um but how does that show itself in me psychologically you go well the hottest part of the flame is the tip so there's a lot of focus generally psychologically with pitta people you know so you can start to go into it in this way that it's like oh it comes off the page it comes from intellect and it goes into their life and i love that aspect um and that's just the tip, because then you can go back to permaculture and you can go, because nature is irrefutable, if you were to notice in your garden that tomatoes grow well with basil or mint, why is that? Again, same question, why? Well, one's a heating agent, one's a cooling agent, so they balance themselves naturally. So then it's no surprise that you can eat them well together. So then you can start companion planting, companion eating, and then you, you can use the nature outside with permaculture to understand your nature inside and vice versa. I love that. You've just made last summer, summer, last summer and the summer before, and it's only since lockdown, you know, grounded, forced grounded. And I actually started planting pots and things. And I grew tomatoes, basil, mint, chives, something else that escapes me, parsley, and started discovering that my favorite, favorite thing was the tomato with the basil and mixing them together, not always with mint, then I'd have, or I'd make a separate salad with lettuce. I grew those as well and put some mint with the lettuce. But the, the overall meal had a really fresh, minty lettuce green bowl and, a, and another equally fresh, but all golden reds fire colours of the tomatoes. I had yellow ones and gold ones and red ones. They were just beautiful. And I just kind of drooled as I was cutting up the basil and it was all so fresh. It was almost jumping at me. Yeah. Sometimes a few chives would decide which one they went in or if they didn't belong there. And you've just given me this sense that what I was actually doing wasn't just indulging myself in slowing down. I was actually animating my own little baby baby i'm talking one pot of each a uh, permaculture wasn't i yeah yeah and there's a, there's a there's there's another principle in permaculture called multifunctionality so uh no one thing uh, 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 no one thing or one thing serves more than one purpose let's say right um so a good example you know how would that show itself in someone's garden you could have a trellis a trellis provides shade you can also grow food up it uh, and you can companion plant different things like legumes that provide nitrogen in the soil that help other things grow. So then you've got like three things that are happening in one space. That, that's kind of multifunctionality. But when you, what you just said as well is multifunctionality in Ayurveda, because there's no coincidence. And again, this is an observe and in, in, interact kind of uh, thing as well, that Vata energy for everybody is more as, as we grow older. Vata energy generally is a little bit more like this. It's a little bit controls the nervous system and it's a, it also dries things out, but it's generally there for everybody more as they get older. Um, 
I find you're it quite you're telling me that I look 63, aren't you? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I'm not 63 but, but, yet. But. <laughs> but, but what's interesting is traditionally it would be more older people that generally like to grow food or in the garden, right? Because mm. and, and, and why is that? It's because they, it's a subconscious recognition of their nature in some form going, we need to ground you more and grow because what is gardening slowing down as well right oh, when it's slowing down it's more kaffir <laughs> it's more grounded which is the absolute opposite of the vata at that time of life so it creates balance um oh, so it's happening already and not you like you don't know what my natural way is i mean you all nicknamed me white rabbit the hurrier i go the behinder i get do you remember in the class <laughs> i do know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Always curious, curiouser and curiouser. But the hurrier I go, the what is it, the white rabbit sings? I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Not that I was late all the time, but I just tried to do too much. And as you know, I've had to slow down considerably. Um, but yes, I hear you. And the other aspect of it that you said that was very interesting to me, and and we're wandering a little, but I just it's lovely to to turn it into not not because it's me but I am the one interviewing you but because it grounds it for people is one of the things I've been really focused on the last couple of years is being more artistic creative bringing out my art as a purpose to spend my time on um not just writing but illustrating and what it is for me as well is the preparation of the dishes has mm. to have the right color scheme I know that sounds nuts but I am literally not capable of sticking food on the table unless it's designed I, I can't this is archetypal you know the artist archetype in me is very very strong she's been compressed for years and suppressed for years and you talk about the starving artist absolutely starved of my attention and as she comes out and sticks her nose out the first place she expressed herself was in these salads that I was making out of my garden I was photographing them the smell of them the sight mm. of them the flavor the balance, I was making sure they were all sun warmed. So they hadn't been in the fridge. I just picked and cooked or didn't cook. They were salads, but, you know, picked and made. And the joy, I can't even tell you, it was like a multi mandala of delicious. Yeah. And what you're doing is kind of archetypally, there's a spiritual aspect to it, obviously, but also, um, I don't know what the word is. It's kind of symbolically giving me this sense of recognition of why it worked yes it's, exa the it's exactly that it's the why it's like those things that are happening how can i put them into a format where people can understand oh yeah that that's kind of me and i can see how yeah. that would balance that yeah. and i can see that when i am more balanced naturally creativity comes through more yes because the whole purpose with the ayurveda for me has always been you use lifestyle and diet they're like stabilizers on a bicycle. And, and the actual bicycle is, is us. It's our self, right? Mm. And use the, the diet and the lifestyle. But after a while, when you get it right, you don't need them. And self is just flowing. And oh, for please. me, this is like that analogy where we see the reflection in the lake, the still water or whatever. When the, when the lifestyle and the diet is right, and for me, yoga comes within lifestyle more. When, when those things are right, then I can naturally start to see my truth. This is how I interpret it. I can naturally start to see my truth. And from that, I can see more meaning and purpose. And then I use the, the, the yoga as a tool to help take me further down that path. And I use the diet and the lifestyle to just steady the ship and calm the water so I can see what it is I'm dealing with. Just and, love and, 
And the permaculture is the same. There's another principle in permaculture, right, which is called value the margin. So if you look at a hedgerow in England, and uh, quite often it's people go, it's a hedgerow. It's just dividing that between that. And I go, okay, observe and interact. What else do you see? It's actually where most of the, the, uh, of the change is happening. It's where, it's where all the juice is. There's so much wildlife in a hedge. There's so much um, interactivity between lots of different things going on. Value the margins I can apply psychologically into Ayurveda and go, when you understand friction, it can become a beautiful thing to start something new. Mm. But if I don't understand what friction is, I'm going to see it as a perceived negative. But mm. actually, when you look at it from a spiritual point of view and you shine light on everything, yeah. then everything. Is, so there's for me, there's all these crossovers. So whether someone's looking at it more from a permaculture angle, I can bring in Ayurveda and sprinkle it out a little bit and vice versa. And this is what I like. It's like you're using the inside and the outside nature just for to, to, to help shape someone's overall situation. I just love it. And as we finish up, I, I just could talk to you for hours, of course, and we will. What What I'm hearing is this beautiful expression of how the either the pingala when they're balanced when you use the bicycle analogy which is stunning in the principles that we're working that either when either and pingala are balanced sushumna arises spontaneously and i think that's what you're kind of saying that, that you don't need the stabilizers anymore because you can you can simply cycle balanced in in your beingness but it it takes several elements and whether those elements are your it's, it's on every scale isn't it it's it's on the three types of ayurveda it's in the three aspects of what you've just described it's in it's the key to all of it and you know it's it just fascinates me because it brings us to geometry which is another whole subject oh the sacred geometry yeah and the sacred geometry the, the geometry of consciousness and the geometry of of what you're describing so let's just park that because this is something mm. we'll talk about another time and i just want to thank you so much and make sure i have all your details so that everybody can get in touch with you if they want to and thank you so much and then if they don't want to get in touch with you they've got to follow you that's an absolute obvious (laughs) just mm, and thank you thank you joe it's lovely to speak with you thank you so much and lovely to see you